Welcome to the AFP Congress Preview Podcast. I'm Stu Lockett. Congress is Canada's largest fundraising conference where professionals share knowledge and experience. Delivered virtually, this year's Congress celebrates the human connections that allow us to thrive in our fundraising work. A quick plug for our sponsor, and then I'll introduce today's guests. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of KCK Global, Canada's largest fulfillment company. Check them out today at kckglobal.com. Joining me today is Holly Wagg, partner and CEO at GoodWorks, where she does all things related to annual giving. She's co-authored a book on legacy giving, has been honored for her work in the queer community. She always makes time for CrossFit and yoga and begrudgingly does cardio. Welcome, Holly. We look forward to hearing about your sessions today. Our second guest today is Ligia Pena, president of Globetrotting Fundraiser, where she helps nonprofits succeed with their legacy program. In addition to being an AFP master trainer and global presenter, she's also a PhD candidate at the University of Kent. Ligia believes that a good administrative infrastructure and creative marketing are key to influencing more gifts in wills. Welcome, Ligia. Thank you for having me. Now, to start off, ladies, I would invite each of you to share a little bit of how your session or sessions fits into our Congress theme this year of Connected We Thrive. Holly? I have the privilege of chairing two panels uh, this year for Congress. Um, One's on storytelling and one's on leadership. Um, And what I like about both of these particular sessions is that it allows us to deeply engage into another perspective or another life story or other experiences in the fundraising realm to really help folks um, understand what it's like to do to say tell somebody's story when it's not your own lived story or you know what did it take to become a next generation leader when you are in your 30s and what were the barriers that you had to overcome So one of the things I think in order for people to be connected and to create a stronger community is to understand the stories and lived experiences of others. And that was the goal that um, I had to when we put these two different panels together. Awesome. And Alicia? So I'm presenting two sessions. So the first one that I'm very excited about is um, co-presented with my good friend, Alexis Gateman. And we'll be talking about a session called um, Culture Shock, uh, Understand Death Rituals and Superstitions in a Diverse World. And so we're gonna be exploring the death rituals and mysticism behind, um, well, the mysticism and the misconceptions we have about death rituals in different cultures in Canada. So obviously we can't cover all of it, but we'll be covering some of the major ones so that for those of us who work with most likely very diverse donors, if you're having legacy conversations, you know to what to understand, what to expect, and how to adapt your stance so you're not coming at it from a primarily white Anglo-Saxon sort of perspective. The second session that I'm presenting alone is um, about the generation divide and how different generations of the years through their lived experience have 
engage differently in legacy conversations and how they have and will probably, looking forward, um, interact differently with charities in order to have those legacy conversations. So looking at the demographic differences and economic, political, and social differences between the different generations. These sound like very useful tools, whether we're fundraising, whether we're doing any other things in this space, uh, things that we can learn from others' experiences where we may not have the background or the opportunity yet to have those conversations. So terrific. Mm -hmm. Um, Holly, uh, you are leading the session called The Next Generation of Nonprofit Leaders. I understand it's a panel discussion. Uh, So could you give us a little breakdown of some of the things you might be speaking about in that session? Um, This panel has three um, amazing uh, panelists on it. Um, Neil Gokale from the Toronto Foundation, Heather Wilson from the Child and Nature Alliance of Canada, and Debbie Usuikia from the Canadian Centre for Gender and Sexual Diversity. And one of the things that we've all acknowledged in the not-for-profit sector is there's a huge leadership gap. There is, you know, a bunch of, I'm going to say, our more senior fundraisers in their 50s and 60s. They're, you know, aging out of the profession. Um, A lot of them, as we know, we've seen a lot of white male leadership in the sector. And when we look at the folks who are in the mid-career period, there's not actually any, often in our sector, formalized succession planning, formalized leadership training and development. So those of us, even like myself, who've become leaders, and I'm only, I'm only 43, I looked down to the people in my 30s and said, like, how are you doing it? How are you getting into these senior management, VP and executive director positions at such a young age? How are you setting up your career trajectories? How are you doing mentorship? What sort of barriers based upon race, gender and sexual orientation have you been hitting in the center? You know, what has like stalled your career? What has lifted your career? Um, So what I love about this panel is I intentionally got a group together who I know is very comfortable being authentic, sharing their vulnerabilities. And in this session, we're going to dig into somebody else's career trajectory and how they ended up whether planned or unplanned in the positions that they're in today and talk about how that, you know, might be relevant to your own career trajectory. It's always amazing to hear the, the succession of others uh, as they've gone through their, their careers. And it's mm-hmm. often inspiring because we don't always assume that there's going to be so many turns and very it makes us feel a little bit better sometimes to know that the journey can go in all kinds of directions and still end up at a really incredible place. So mm-hmm. that's, that's terrific. Um, you have a second session you're going to also be moderating and it's the exploitation versus empowerment, the challenge of respectful, authentic storytelling. So more stories, but uh, a little bit different, I think, than the first session. Yeah. Again, this particular panel comes as we start to grapple, I think, with conversations about what does it mean to be donor-centered and what does it mean to be community-centered in our fundraising practice. So I was able to, um, along with my colleagues um, at Good Works, bring together Neha Trevetti, who's now at the Sick Kids Foundation, Cheyenne Richardson, who's at Interval House, and Erica Webster, who's a freelance uh, communications and copywriter, but is also the vice president of the Ten Oaks project. And one of the things that we've all worked together in our careers and trajectories is how do you interview and talk and collect those stories? How do you retell the stories in a way that's respectful and authentic to that individual's lived existence? How do you, as the fundraiser, work with your program staff when your program staff are very much concerned about the exploitation of those program participants, but also then you have somebody who maybe is really keen and excited to share their stories? What 
gets edited out internally on, and organizationally from your senior management? What are you allowed to keep in? What are you allowed to toss? Anyone who works in fundraising and storytelling, we've all grappled with these very sort of difficult questions. So this panel, I think, is the beginning of many, many or continuation of dialogues that are already happening in the sector to help us sort of create a best practices roadmap about how to do that sort of authentic and respectful storytelling. It sounds terrific. So many things there that can be tools for the things that we do all the time when we're speaking with donors and knowing uh, what's the appropriate way to include a lot of the things that make these stories so impactful, but in a way that respects the donor and their story. So thank you. Before I turn over the mic to Ligia for a couple of questions, Holly, what's one thing you're looking forward to most at this year's Congress? I feel like this is the funniest answer, but like maybe actually getting to go to a few sessions. Um, <laughs> one, of, one, one of the things, so one of the things, when you're at Congress in person, right? Like there's people like, like Lee, you haven't seen her in like two years, um, maybe even three years. And so I spend all of my time chatting. And the next thing I know, I've missed my session because I'm too busy talking and can reconnecting. And those relationships are such an important part of Congress. But the one fantastic thing about a virtual conference is you have no excuse for not making it to your session because very rarely are you going to get pulled in talking with someone. You might get pulled back to your computer working on something, you know, at work, um, but the sessions are recorded so I can always watch them again later. So the great thing about having, you know, the second virtual Congress in the row is that I actually get to attend some sessions and I love it. It's really fantastic. Uh, that is such a plus coming out of the virtual space, right? That we can, concurrent sessions, we can sit in on both. So in some way or shape or form. So awesome. So Alicia, over to you. You're presenting Culture Shock, Understanding Death Rituals and Superstition in a Diverse World. Quite a title. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about what people might gain from this session. So the impetus that came from it was going on pandemic walks with my co-presenter, Alexis. And we were talking about some of the different donors we have. And we're like, I don't really know about how First Nations people live those superstitions and what are their customs. And so then if I I want to have a converse, a legacy conversation with such a donor, how do I don't come about it, you know, looking through the um, diversity and inclusion perspective, how do I come about it with knowledge and tools so I don't impose my, for me being Latina, my Latin perspective, having grown up in Canada. And so it came about from there. So really it came from a place of, if I feel like where I am in my career, I don't have those tools. Most likely others don't have those tools. How do you know about other cultures, death rituals or superstitions around death? So participants will gain that very basic knowledge, at least to, you know, we're not going to pretend to be able to give you everything and, and be able to make you an expert in other cultures rituals, but at least have a beginning of an understanding of what to expect, what to be mindful of, so that then you can go look at your database and be like, oh, wow, like 25% of our older donors are of this cultural group. And then you can go and educate yourself and be learn more about their habits so that you can be that much more respectful and understanding of where a donor is at when it comes to those kinds of conversations and how you can have an even more in Enriching legacy conversation with donors of different cultures. So that's where that's what I think participants will get most out of it. And just I don't know, it's just super interesting in terms of learning more about other cultures that are different than ours. It's fascinating stuff. 
it's fantastic to have the basics and then just the awareness that you need to be asking those questions more often. And maybe you'll have some really interesting dialogue with some of your participants too, hopefully sharing a little bit of things that they can share with the group. So sounds sounds interesting. Well, yeah, because I think another element is that we're talking a lot about diversity and inclusion in all kinds of different areas of fundraising, but there's very little of that being talked at from the lens of gifts and wheels requests. And I think it's important that we also have that reflection of how we show up as legacy fundraisers and how we can be more in tune with our donors that way. Now, Alicia, you're also presenting a second session, The Future of Legacy Giving, Breaking the Generational Divide. Is there a teaser you'd like to share about the content of the second session? Yeah. So for for me, I've been in the nonprofit sector for 20 years. For as long as I've been in the sector, it's always been, um, you know, the baby boomers, the baby boomers, you know, and, and they're passing away. So we've become experts at knowing how baby boomers behave or just about, but we're not looking at generation X and how will they be different as legacy donors and what about millennials and etc and what are the interesting things that will be you know engage with them in a way that's particular to their needs and their interests which is completely different than the baby boomer generation and so we need to start being aware of that because Gen Xers are writing their first wills right now and if we're not aware of this and we're not mindful of how they engage differently as well as millennials, then we're going to miss the boat and we're going to be in a constant state as a sector to be catching up and trying to be like, now that all the baby boomers are dead, now we have to go to the next generation. We need to start doing the work now because in five or 10 years, it's, they're going to be the ones that are going to be getting into that age group. It's always great to be proactive and thoughtful about our approaches, isn't it? So mm-hmm. uh, sounds like some terrific information as well. Uh, now, before we wrap up, I'm going to give each of you a, sort of a final comment or two. Um, Holly, do you have anything else that you'd like to tell us about upcoming Congress? No, I think it promises to be another exciting, jam-packed educational event. So whether it's your first or I think for me, maybe my 10th or 15th, um, there's always something I think exciting that you can find. So I hope that you are able to carve that space in your agenda to join us because that professional development and, and learning is key. And there's really no easier way to do it this year because you don't have to go anywhere. Great. And Lisa, anything from you? I would say, despite the fact that we're not in person, shouldn't stop you from making new connections and reaching out to presenters and to other speakers. I mean, I met Holly at my first AFP Congress, and that was 15 years ago plus. Lisa mentored me through my CFRE. Like, that's the reason why I have my CFREs, because of this relationship that started at Congress. And we've been like professionals collaborating and colleagues and friends ever since. It's fantastic. You've hit the nail on the head there, that supportive environment that you can get if you engage as you're attending. So thank you so much, ladies. I've really enjoyed chatting today and look forward to connecting with you again at Congress. Be sure everyone to register early for November 22nd to 24th. You can visit afptoronto.org slash Congress. To learn more about Congress, email event at afptoronto.org. To learn about AFP, visit afpglobal.com. Our upcoming podcast will introduce you to more engaging speakers like Leisha and Holly and education committee volunteers responsible for putting all these speakers together for our stellar Congress lineup. Thanks again to our podcast sponsor, KCK Global. Check them out for all your fulfillment needs at KCK global.com. I'm Sue Lockett. Thanks for listening. And I hope to connect with you at Congress.